Welcome to the Van Man Podcast. My name is Sam and I am the Van Man. I believe in living a full life and I know that I do that differently than most people. So I invite interesting people into my van to have a conversation about how they're living their life to the fullest through their hobbies, their passions, their side projects, even their jobs. Um, And today my guest is Taylor Street, who owns The Trash Pile, an Instagram page dedicated towards upcycling and selling tie-dye clothing. So she is a professional tie-dyer. We had a great conversation about how she got into tie-dyeing in the first place, um, some kind of tips on running a business and what that uh, journey has been like for her. And uh, tie-dyeing wasn't something she had originally planned on. So it's kind of interesting to talk to her about um, having this side hustle all of a sudden and making all of these you know, business decisions that previously she had never even considered. This is a super interesting episode, so let's jump right in. All right, Taylor, so do you want to tell me like what is the trash pile? The Trash Pile is an upcycled clothing brand. What's Um, upcycled? Upcycling is kind of like recycling where you're going to take something and reuse it. But upcycling has an added layer of like making it better. So rather than just like recycling your plastic bag and reusing your bag the same way, you could upcycle your plastic bag into um, a water bottle kind of thing, you right. know? So I'm taking t-shirts for the most part. Like right now, all I'm doing is tie-dye, but I have visions for much more than tie-dye. Um, I'll go into thrift stores, find shirts, shorts, you name it, you know, things that people just don't want anymore and then go make it better. So it's, you know, been really, really fun to upcycle thousands of you know clothing items and keep them out of the landfill so that's kind of where the name the trash pile comes from is like i really just take things that people have discarded and you know kind of keep them out of the trash and keep them from destroying the planet slowly i love that (laughs) is that was that just kind of a business move like oh it's easier to find uh these upcycled clothes or it's, it's cheaper to find clothes from like di than it is to buy like a brand new like a uh, white shirt that yeah. I can buy in bulk. I think there, so there is a little bit of like a business decision behind it. Um, you know, it is cheaper to go into a thrift store and buy a Nike shirt there than to go buy a new Nike shirt. So right. it does make it so that my products are very accessible. Um, you know, I think my price points are, you know, I keep them really low because my inventory is pretty cheap to find. Right. Um, but like more than that, my connection to tie-dye has always been like tie-dyeing my old shirts that I'm bored of. Um, maybe I stained them. Maybe I, you know, just this shirt's been sitting in my closet for a year and I haven't worn it. Um, so that's always been my connection to tie-dye. So I kind of figured when I first started doing tie-dye at a high volume during the pandemic, like, let's keep that you know, genuine core that I already have to it and make it part of my business rather than going out and, you know, finding new stuff and, you know, sourcing things from China or you name it. Um, So kind of a little bit of a business decision, but also just this is what feels really, really genuine to me. Like I like taking kind of things that are forgotten and taken for granted and making them way, way better. Right. So. And I guess then you have access to like all of these logos that normally mm-hmm. would have cost like $30 exactly. just to get the shirt. Right. Know? Yeah. I mean, cause even if you can get into like, you know, a big brand's wholesale, it's still going to be, you know, 15 bucks or so for right. like a, a name brand t-shirt. And then I have to add my supplies and my time and everything on top of it. Sometimes you're looking at, 
you know, $60 t-shirts and, uh, you know, there's that Macklemore song that, you know, no one wants $60 t-shirts. Like, at least I don't. I'm right. not paying that. And so why would I put out products that, you know, don't feel accessible to me um, when when I can make things that do feel accessible? So, yeah, yeah. No, I think that there's a lot of sense to that, right? If it if you make products for yourself, the chances of someone else being sort of like you is pretty right. close. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think there's so much to whatever your passion is. Uh, and if you want to make a business out of it, like help make it so that it's relevant to you. Because I think if you're enjoying whatever you're doing, like you said, you're going to find other people who just gravitate towards you. Like you're going to put out those good vibes and other people are going to get on that wavelength. Versus, like, if you're doing something that doesn't feel genuine or, like, kind of hurts your soul in some way, like, that's going to be much harder to grow. Yeah, that makes sense. And you've done, like, what, a thousand shirts now? A thousand tie-dye I think so, yeah. Like, I need to sit down and add them all up. But between collaborations and people sending me, you know, stuff out of their own closet and then stuff I've sourced from thrift stores yeah i'm a, a little over a thousand in the last year and a half so That's awesome. which feels cool because i don't think a lot of people recognize just how damaging fashion and clothing is to the environment mm -hmm. um and so being able to just make like a teeny tiny dent in that problem has been really really rewarding and gratifying um so hopefully it, this is just the very beginning yeah it sounds like there's um i mean you, you just mentioned it but it sounds like there's a lot of aspects of tie dye and a lot of aspects of your business, the way mm -hmm. you're doing this that bring you joy. It's not yeah. just, Oh, the colors are cute or pretty or totally. fun. You know, yeah. it's I'm upcycling clothes and I'm, you know, uh, you know, helping towards this problem and, or helping solve this problem. Yeah. I yeah. think, uh, like you mentioned, like a lot of those little things that I love about the process is what's made it grow. I think if there was only one aspect like, Oh, I do, I only love making tie-dye and everything right. else, you know, kind of felt like secondary or like it was just kind of a slog I had to get through. Like, I don't think I would be continuing to do this, but literally I find joy in every single juncture of my business. So it makes it really easy to work on um, and to continue to grow it. So it's been really awesome. What was the originating like, like when did you start the business? When did it stop being a hobby yeah so that's a great question um so it kind of this hobby started morphing during a fall of 2020 i would say um at that time the the climbing gym um well actually the climbing gym was open but i had been furloughed um f like i'd been told that like the nonprofit i was working oh, right. at was going to do like a temporary furlough at the end of the year. And so I said, oh man, I'm not going to be making money for a few months. So I should go ahead and pause my climbing gym membership so I can save money for this holiday like gap that I'm not going right. to be making money. Um, and so at that point I had, you know, been tie-dyeing since high school, just kind of off and on. Um, and so then during the pandemic, I just said, why don't I like actually go learn about this? You know, because it had just been like, literally something I would do maybe once a year. Um, right. And I I happened to have some leftover dye. And so I said, okay, let's go learn how to use this differently. Um, so I started tie-dyeing a lot just on weeknights, like after I would finish work, instead of going to the climbing gym or something or hanging out with friends because it was the pandemic, I would mm -hmm. just tie-dye things. And then at that time, I was climbing a lot outside on the weekends, you know, 
in Utah and Colorado, just sometimes in Wyoming, just kind of all over the place and would meet people who would be like, where'd you get that shirt? It's really cool. And I would say, I made it, uh, you know, like I made yeah, climbers it. Love tie-dye. Climbers love tie-dye. Climbers love tie-dye and really love, uh, you know, bright colors on the rock so that right. if you have a video or a photo, like it's just going to help it stand out. So I feel like being in the climbing community probably fueled that early obsession, I, if you will, like mm-hmm. kind of encouraged me to continue doing it because I would have friends who would like, take the shirt off their back and be like, here, like bring this back to me in a few weeks, tie dyed kind of thing. Um, so the, the hobby started kind of ramping up during the fall. And then in January is when I decided finally to make like an Instagram page for it. I just said, you know, I'm doing this enough. I want a place for it to live outside of my Instagram page. Like I think my audience might get sick of the tie dye kind of thing. And so just randomly started a page called the trash pile um because that's really what it was like i'm just taking everyone's discarded t-shirts that none of us wear and then i had had the instagram page for only about a month um when my dog got sick um she just got like a random stomach bug but because of like covid staffing shortages and all of the weird pandemic things that were going on i couldn't get her into my um normal vet for like a week or two which was kind of ridiculous. And so they said, you just have to take her to an emergency vet clinic. And, you know, those are always really expensive. And so all of a sudden I had this like bill that again, like I had just been furloughed for a few weeks and didn't, you know, I was working at a nonprofit, so I didn't make a lot of money anyway. And I was sitting here like, oh my gosh, like panicking. Like, how am I going to pay for this vet bill without you know, really going into debt or going, you know, just racking up credit card bills or something. And so I just had the thought, why don't I try to sell some tie-dye? Because people had been asking me, you know, do you sell anything? Do you have an Etsy store? Do you have a website? And the answer was always no. Um, So at that point, I just kind of got on both the Trash Piles page and my my personal Instagram page and said, it's y'all's lucky day. (laughs) I'm going to sell some of my tie-dye. And to cover Zaza's vet bill, and I covered her bill, I think, in, like, two weeks. Um, And it was – I hadn't made anything extra. This was just stuff out of my closet. Right, this is just your clothes. Yeah, this is just literally my clothes. It wasn't like you had this inventory Mm -hmm. of tie-dye. Yeah, Yeah, I did not have any inventory because that's not how I was functioning at that point. You know, it was literally, like, people would send me – you know, boxes of their stuff, I would tie-dye it, ship it back. Like, I didn't have a a stock kind of thing. So, yeah, a lot of my really early experiments are gone. I have sold them, um, you know, for good cause. But it was at that point that I realized this has some legs. Why don't you start, you know, going thrifting? Because I'd had that that idea in the back of my head, um, you know, as I was starting to run out of my own clothing to tie-dye, like, where am I going to get more? How am I going to continue these experiments? Right. I live two blocks away from a, from a thrift store. And so I said, okay, like, if I ever run out of clothes, I'll just, like, pop over there, get a $2 t-shirt or something. Right. And, and so, yeah, at that point, I just said, let's go blow this out a little bit. And so I would start going to the thrift store and looking for, like, little collections. So I mm-hmm. would do, like you know, a collection of like band shirts or a collection of, you know, 90s retro TV shows, oh, cool, you know, yeah. just like all of these little things that I liked um, would keep these cool shirts out of the thrift store, make collections of maybe like 
10 shirts at a time, drop them on my Instagram page. They would sell out really fast. And then it eventually it evolved to Etsy and just kind of kept growing. So it really Whoa. took kind of my dog getting sick to push me. Poor Zaza. Yeah, poor little Zaza. <laughs> but that experience really, you know, kind of enlightened me and opened my eyes to the possibilities right. of it all. I don't know that I would have ever... I don't know how long it would have taken me to finally say, oh, maybe I'll go start an Etsy shop here. You know, like if right. she had never gotten sick, I probably would still just be tie-dyeing for my friends. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Man, that's crazy. So how much, you must have had a ton of tie-dye then yourself. Yeah, I mean, I love t-shirts and sweatshirts and like right. comfy stuff. And I probably have a little bit of a problem with like just how many clothes I sometimes have. And so, yeah, I had had tons of t-shirts that like, you know, I had collected over the years that were in really good shape and that were things other people would like. Right. And so once I tie-dyed them, like, you know, like my, my North Face things went out the door really, really fast. Some of my, you know, I had, I don't even remember half the stuff. I had like some really cool like motorcycle brand t-shirts from this company in my hometown that like went really really fast so it was just yeah like I just so happened to have a lot of clothes to tie-dye yeah. at the time um and now it's one of those things like I look at my my closet and the trash pile takes up so much more of my like actual space than my wardrobe because now I don't I've sold literally all my clothes at this point right and now <laughs> so. you now you have so much inventory mm -hmm. right just because you're ongoing so so where are we at today right you've created Etsy. you mentioned you've done some farmers markets as well yeah so where I'm at today is very interest uh, an interesting question because um I lost my day job about a week and a half ago and so if you had asked me this question a week and a half ago I would have said you know, I have my own website now and I, over the next few years, want to grow this to make it my full time. But I have very much been like thrust into this position of, do you want this to be your full time now? Um, because this past summer was my first ever time doing farmer's markets. Um, at that point, my business had only been in existence for about a year. I filed mm -hmm. my business paperwork in May 2021. So, you know, fast forward to May 2022, I start doing um, farmer's markets, you know, craft fairs. I did a few like climbing festivals where they have a market or some kind of aspect to that uh, of the event. And so I this summer, I think I did 11 events, um, kind of two a month because I was trying to balance, you know, my day job and summer and trying to be, you know, have fun. Um, and it was Prior to the summer, I really kind of always saw this as just like a, a side hustle and a hobby, something right. that would just be fun for me to do. But after all, doing all these markets and not only interacting with people uh, about my product, but meeting other makers who were, you know, out there hustling full time, um, I really came to the realization like this, this is making real money, like you could make this your full time if you really, really wanted it to yeah, be. Yeah, there's, there's a reason why these people are selling jewelry at right. the farmer's market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I met people who would, you know, hit two or three markets a weekend. So you might see that jeweler oh, wow. at in Provo on Saturday and then in Salt Lake on Sunday morning and then at a different market on Sunday afternoon. You know, some of these people are out yeah. there really hustling. 
Um, and I started kind of thinking and really looking at some of the numbers too, of how much I would make in a day, uh, you know, on a Saturday afternoon at a market versus like how much I was making hourly at my job. At your job yeah. And I'm like, Hmm, you know, the numbers aren't there yet to just make the jump. But if we keep working on it, right. this can be a full-time thing because one of the things that also came out of markets is you meet people and you make organic connections. And so I had a lot of collaborations come out of these markets. Um, my first market of the summer, I met a lady who works for Nena & Co., which is a, a handbag company that's based in American Fork. They're massive. They do all of their stuff um, out of Guatemala. So they'll send, you know, a lot of materials down there and then the bags are brought here and so I started like doing events with them. I've tie-dyed like panels that are getting sewn into bags for them. Oh, and cool. so like that's, you know, been an extra, I don't know, source of income for my business over the summer right. that I really, really didn't anticipate at all. Like, you know, I've had a few collaborations here and there of like businesses reaching out to me, but being out there and meeting people in person just like led to so many more. And so you know, I kind of came out of the summer thinking like, man, I learned a lot. Um, I'm going to, you know, get back to my day job, kind of settle back down, try to buy a house. And then next summer is when I'll really start like ramping up the trash pile and right. going nuts. And uh, the universe had other plans. <laughs> you right. know, it's so funny when <laughs> All we, of a sudden you're full -time we now. make our own plans and then the universe is like, <laughs> just wait. Um so yeah, I, I'm in this seat right now where I, quite frankly, um, I'll get six months of unemployment and I've kind of said, you know, what if in the next six months I really put my nose to the grindstone and try to widen my footprint as much as I can? Um, you know, there's winter markets out there that I can do, but I know of probably... I have like a list of like almost two dozen stores in the Salt Lake and Utah County areas um, that I might be able to get my inventory into. Is, is I, this places like Collective Underground? Yeah, like it's Collective like the Underground. Only one that I know there's of the Uncommon Salt Lake. Right. There's um, there's so many. I know of one that's like Electric Salt Lake. You know, there's a lot of these stores that are starting to pop up where they do just have like smaller. Um, sections for all of these local vendors whether right. they are jewelry or clothing or pottery you name it and i think a lot of them have these little different niches and stuff and mm -hmm. so i'm hopeful that i can really widen the trash pile's footprint at this point both in person online um currently i have my own website but i'm about to get back on etsy so i can have two sales channels um just trying to really make as much you know profit as i can by expanding who is seeing this right. because right now my footprint really is just instagram my website and like people who know me right I mean, um, you know, whenever you go to an event exactly but that slows down a lot during the winter. exactly yeah those slow down a lot during the winter and so it's it's really funny like i've been thinking like man if i had gotten if I'd lost my job during the summer, I would have been 0% worried at all because there's right. so many markets going on every single week. And now I'm kind of like, okay, you just have to get to the summer and then you're going to be able to like be raking it in and yeah. traveling and not just doing Utah stuff. So 
where I'm at now is a very transformative kind of space because I'm not really sure where it's going to go over the next few months because I didn't really anticipate being in this specific, you know, place right, it was, right it was now. Yeah, yeah. Totally it was very, I was supposed to be closing on a house next week, not like figuring out how to make this. <laughs> yeah, like, not losing your job. Right, all of a sudden. right. Yeah. So it's been a very, very interesting few yeah, weeks. And, I mean, maybe this is my like, I guess, toxic positivity like coming <laughs> through, but because it's like, no matter what, there's not really a way you can spin it. It sucks to lose your job out of the blue. Like mm-hmm. that's just brutal, right? But at the same time, like if you can, if you can make it work now, like I just think of how cool it would be you know, if you really make it work now, then all of a sudden summer comes when it's easy. Right. And it's it's not just easy. You're also, like, you still have that same gas behind you. Mm-hmm. And so it's twice as easy. It's four times as easy. You'd right. make way more during the summer than you would have if you just waited because you have all the gas from yeah. when it was hard. And now it's also easy. Right. And I just love that. Like, that just yeah. is so exciting. It's like, right. man, you could really do it. Totally. Know? Exactly. Like, one of the things I'd actually been, it's so funny to me how the universe works. Um, I'd been talking to my mom a few weeks ago before this happened, just kind of about, like, the logistics of my life and how I saw things panning out, you know. And right. this house that I was going to buy, I was going to have a studio for the trash pile. So I was kind of telling my mom, like... I want to get settled in over the holidays. And then in January, I'm going to start creating stock for the summer because one of the things that was so hard about the summer was I I had no idea how successful I was actually going to be. I mean, there were there were markets that I would sell 50 shirts in a day. And making 50 shirts is, you know, like time. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. You know, I have to go source <laughs> them. I have to fold them. I have to dye them. I have to wash them afterwards. Um, right. And so doing all of that in addition to my day job Mm -hmm. was very stressful and time consuming and I was really burnt out. So I was telling my mom, like, I'm going to get a a head start rather than really only being able to, like, create new inventory during the summer. I'm going to get a head start on it in the winter. And now it's like the universe has kind of said, like, yeah, that's exactly what you're going to go do. Rather than having to balance your day job and this, you're just going to go blow out your inventory you're gonna make sure that like if you are doing two to three or four sometimes markets a week you're not gonna have to like be so stressed all the time about oh my gosh am i gonna have enough inventory because hopefully i'll be able to have you know five or six seven hundred shirts prior to the summer ready so that as my inventory dwindles i can just kind of replenish it and always have lots of options on hand so yeah, to your point, I think if I can like generate this momentum now when it's hard and scary and uncertain, how much greater will that momentum be when, like you said, when, when it's, it's easy, easier, yeah. when it's when busy yeah. and it's like hopeful and, yeah. you know, there's a lot going on. So I'm, I'm pretty motivated by this like yeah, space I'm that's in. That's super cool. I want to go back a little bit to how you kind of started because now you're in this position where you're doing this full time and you're making a lot more entrepreneurial type uh, decisions, but it doesn't sound like that's really how you started out. So I'm kind of curious, what has that like learning curve been like for you? Oh man, that's such a good question. Um, I think the thing that's been helpful for me and it's helpful for me to remind myself of it in this space, but you don't have to learn everything at once. Like, you're right. I am not the most entrepreneurial 
mindset person. Like, you know, I look at a lot of like entrepreneurs and get annoyed by them because yeah. they're like, I'm a boss babe kind of thing. I'm yeah. like, I don't, that's, that's not historically what I've resonated with. Um, but I have always resonated with like learning and getting better. And so, you know, in this space, as I started approaching like, okay, making it a business, um, I think it was helpful that I didn't try to bite off like the whole enchilada at once. Like right. I said, oh, well, like this has some legs. I'm shipping a lot of products. I wonder what a helpful solution would be for just saving time. And so then you start learning, oh, here's my options for fulfilling orders quicker, um, whether that's Etsy or ship.com or, you know, any, you name it, any other platform. And then you move on. Once you've solved one problem, you move on to the next one. And so I think having that kind of hindsight um, is helping me in this current space I'm in where I'm saying, okay, you've already learned how to fulfill orders. You've learned how to do taxes for special events. You've learned how to track your inventory to meet demand. You've learned how to calculate your expenses so that you know you're making a profit. Like, but that I didn't do all in a day. You know, right. you that's, this is a year problem. and a half of just taking one problem at a time as it mm -hmm. comes and figuring out what the best solution for me is right then. And so where I'm at right now is kind of thinking, well, here's my needs. Um, I need to scale the amount of products that I'm making. Um, so what does that timeline look like? Like over the last week, I've been recording times of, you know, how long does it take me to do to fold this pattern? on this one shirt? How long does it take me to fold this pattern? How long does it take me to dye 10 galaxies or whatever? Um, so that I know when I'm charging someone for a commission that I'm like charging them like accurately, like I'm not overcharging them. I'm not, you know, undercharging myself kind of thing. Um, and so I'm just taking it one problem at a time, you know, right. like, okay, how do I, solve the the issue of just needing to get in front of more people okay like here's five options let's look at one option and go learn about it today decide what we want to do with that option and then continue moving forward so i think whether you want to start a side hustle or a passion project or a full-time business i think it's really important just to like not in like not live in an area of overwhelm um because it can oh, overwhelm sure. you uh, yeah. if you let it. And I think it's if you can kind of like reassure yourself, like not everything has to be done at once. Um, one of my mantras is I only have two hands, you know, like I'm a human. I only have two hands. And so how can I really best use these hands right now? And right. How, what problem needs to be solved in this moment. Um, Cause another thing that I repeat to myself a lot is and now we're getting kind of in the woo woo territory, but like <laughs> the only thing that is real is this moment. Right? right. And so if I'm worrying and letting myself being overwhelmed by what's going to happen next, this next summer, what am I going to, you know, how am I going to possibly meet the demand or, you know, what am I going to be doing in a month to make money? I don't have a job, like letting that kind of stuff overwhelm me isn't really going to be productive for the products that 
I'm trying to make today for the problems I'm trying to solve today. Like none of that's helpful. Um, so yeah, I think just that's a whole lot of word vomit, but I think what it boils down to is just taking it like minute by minute, you know, day by day, like what issue needs to be solved that's right in front of you. And if it's not an issue that needs to be solved, what can you go use that moment to create? Those are kind of like the two sides I live in. Like, am I solving a problem in this moment or am I free to go create? Right. Rather than like, what does next week look like? What does next month look like? How am I going to possibly figure out, you know, how to do X, Y, and Z? That's not even a reality yet. So I think, I think living in the here and now and just taking it one day at a time has been how I've approached, you know, business and entrepreneurialism. Uh, well, I, th- I think that's I, spot yeah. on. Like, uh, uh, do you know Grant Cardone? Have you ever run across Grant Cardone? That he's like, familiar. Sort of, he's written a couple like sales books. He's okay. a he's a uh, very ultra wealthy mm. uh, real estate agent guy. Okay. You know, that's kind of how he got started. So, um, anyway, he's a multi multi millionaire, and he he has this quote that's something like, um, "Everybody comes to me like, oh, I have this million dollar business idea, or how do you how do you create a million dollar business and go make a hundred bucks? Right? Like you, like yes. all these people come to me, they're not making any money, mm-hmm. and they have this million dollar business idea, but is it a thousand dollar business idea? Right. Like, can you make any money off of it today? Right? Because if you can't make money off of it today or tomorrow, yes. What? Why, why do you think it's a million dollar business? Right? I love I think that. That's perfect. And I think that is so important because so I have a few friends who have you know whether they're side hustles or like they're full-time businesses Mm -hmm. um i don't think any of us have started with the mentality of i'm gonna go start a billion dollar business right yeah you know it's like oh this is something that i'm kind of passionate about and i'm gonna go see about and it's kind of funny because i prior to starting the the trash pile always kind of wanted a side hustle i thought it sounded fun oh yeah but i could never think of an idea that resonated with me and i think that is such an interesting perspective of like hey like can you make a hundred dollars doing something you're already passionate about like if you had told me that i would have made as much money as i've made tie-dyeing like when you if you had told me that like when i was first ever tie-dyeing in my basement back in my you know when i was 15 like if you had walked in the room and said taylor someday you're gonna have a business doing this i would have laughed at you you know but I think, yeah, if you can make a hundred bucks, if you can make a thousand bucks, like keep growing it, but you have to start somewhere. Yeah, Keep doing it. But I think, you know, I think I love that perspective because you do have to take a real, you know, a little bit of a realistic approach to it. Like I would love to say, oh my gosh, now that the trash pile is my full time gig, um, I'm going to go make a million dollars, but I'm right. sitting here thinking like, okay, I know the reality of the numbers. Like there's only t- so, mo- so many tie dye shirts that you can do in a week. Yeah, right? so, exactly. So what, what realistic goals should I be setting for myself? Right. And I think once you know that baseline of like, I can make a hundred bucks. Wow. I can make a thousand bucks. Oh my gosh. I can make $10,000. Of tie-dye shirts. Whoa, yeah. okay. Like, now what goals do I want to set for myself? And I think that's when, like, the entrepreneurial side of it for me has started coming in. Is just saying, like, all the data has supported, like, the little bits of effort that you've made. Right. So now let's actually get smart about looking at, like, the bigger efforts. Um, you know, the I just did a big batch of shirts for Momentum Climbing they they did a 
a competition that I tie-dyed like 200 shirts for. And that was like a really good learning experience for me <laughs> during this season when I wasn't anticipating losing my job. Um, for like how long, you know, will it take you to tie-dye 200 t-shirts? Right. What, like, what is the cost on that? Like, what kind of deadlines can people expect from you in this situation? And so, right. yeah. but, you know, I wouldn't have been able to even wrap my brain around that problem when I first was tie-dyeing. I would not have had, like, I would not yeah, have been equipped. Yeah, you weren't equipped. thinking about 200 shirts when you know, you're 15. You know, like, if right when, you know, back in 2020, if the gym had approached me and said, hey, Taylor, we noticed that you're, you froze your gym membership, like, but we're doing this competition, like, we would love to support you by letting you tie dye the shirts. Two years ago, I would have like literally self, -com you know, combusted. Right. I don't, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the day. I have yeah. no idea. Like, right. but now I'm like, cool. Yeah, that's comfy. Like, this is how long you can expect. This is an estimate on it, and you know, so I think it just all builds on itself, which is amazing. Yeah, just solve one problem at a time, and mm -hmm. you just keep going. I, I love what you said about um, just consistent effort, because like. Yeah, you started the business at the beginning of like 2021-ish, so it's been about a year and a half. We've been tie-dyeing since you were 15, right? Mm -hmm. It's been over a decade, right? Yeah, like, I mean, half my life at this point, yeah. yeah. Um, and you told me a little bit about that um, and about like why your family started tie-dyeing. Mm -hmm. Can you tell that story? Because I just think yeah. it's like absolutely amazing. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's a really good like yeah. origin story. No, yeah, I mean, so... Back in high school, we had Spirit Week for homecoming. Um, I'm from northern Wyoming, and so we had tie-dye day. And my sister and I were both in high school at the time, and neither of us knew anything about tie-dye at all. You know, like, Wyoming isn't really, like, where you go to find tie-dye. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not a heavy state. And so... We had like gone to Walmart and bought some shirts and some tie dye, you know, like one of the little kits. And my mom had banished us to like the cold storage room in our basement because she's like, I don't want you making a mess in the kitchen. Like, go downstairs. Right. Um, and so my dad, we had like a home gym downstairs too that you like, you had to pass the cold storage room. And my sister and I are like, I can only imagine us, like, we probably are like crouched over looking like little monsters, like, you know, trying to tie-dye. And my dad walks by the, the cold storage and is like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, trying to learn to tie-dye. We don't know what we're doing. And like, none of us had any inkling that my dad, like, was this closet hippie. Like, yeah. he he's from Florida. We should have, you know, recognized, like, if you grow up in Florida in the 60s, like, chances are good you're gonna know <laughs> you something know how to tie -dye. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and he, you know worked on a fruit farm and all this stuff <laughs> yeah. like um but he just kind of like immediately jumped in to like show us all these patterns and like you should you know fold the shirt this way and do this and cameron and i are just like very taken aback at this point like, <laughs> who the hell is our father yeah, what is this yeah. exactly like we did not expect that kind of enthusiasm from him and so it kind of became a thing that like you know when birthdays or christmas or father's day would come around thing you know occasions when you give gifts, give gifts yeah um a lot of the times my sisters and i would just tie-dye shirts for my dad because he's really hard to shop for He'll, he'll never give you ideas for what he wants. And so we just started tie-dyeing shirts. You know, it became a thing like go buy a pack of five shirts and tie-dye them for dad. And he'll either wear them around, he'll mow the lawn in them, he'll wear them to bed. Like, yeah. it was a very reliable gift because we knew he would like it. And so a lot of times, like, that 
trans like kind of carried over for me like uh if i would tie-dye for my dad i would have this leftover dye and so i would just tie-dye stuff i was bored with you know um but that was like the extent of tie-dye for me for most of my life like you know just occasionally tie-dyeing for dad um you know every single christmas it would be like you know text the group chat like is anybody else making tie-dye for dad dang it the nephews are doing it gotta come up with something else right. kind of thing you gotta and call so, dibs another time yeah. yeah and so like it really became a like an almost an inside joke of like who's tie-dying for dad no one okay i got it this time yeah. um and so that, you he's know, he's got to be looking groovy. He has, so, he's like, like the grooviest old man, like 100% be, because like he gets a lot of my like experimental patterns that right. I'll like, you know, if I've never made something before, I'll like try to find a shirt in his size and then go make it and then say like, here you go, here's a new shirt. <laughs> Is and the experimental stuff. Exactly. And he gets them from my nephews occasionally too, who you know, aren't nearly as good as I am kind of thing, but he still appreciates them and wears them. <laughs> Children. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now like my whole family wears tie dye. Like this is very much like been a, like a family affair kind of thing. And that back to that, like a uh, year when I got furloughed, I was like, well, I've tie dyed for dad before. So why not just tie dye stuff for the whole family? You right. know? Cause at that point I was experimenting a lot and, so I just made stuff for everybody and, uh, you know, fast forward to now and they will continue getting, everybody is just going to get tie dye for yeah, Christmas the, for the for next Christmas. forever yeah. from me because, you know, my family has been like the biggest supporter of this business, you know, like right. my dad will buy shirts for, you know, his coworkers, my sisters live in you know a literal on either end of the country one lives in seattle one lives in florida and so they will tell their friends you know about stuff and then i right. get customers through it so yeah it's been this you know really interesting thing that i beyond tie-dyeing for my dad and like occasionally for myself growing up I never tie-dyed, you know? It wasn't a passion outside of that. It was... Right, it was just this family kind of joke, this mm -hmm. thing that you guys would do. Yeah, and so now it's really evolved into this way to share joy with other people, too, because, you know, it's brought so much joy to me and my family, and especially, like, I feel like my, my relationship with my dad. Like, wow, like, who... How many people do you know just, like, tie-dye for their dads it's like yeah. it's just kind of this groovy little thing um and so being able to kind of expand on that really really special space and kind of take it to the world just feels like well i i have the coolest business in the world you yeah. know like very very grateful that something so small has become such a big part of my life I love that. I think that's incredible. <laughs> I, I can't think of a, a better thing to end on, so I'll end yeah, right there. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. So much fun. And yes. I can't wait to see what you do in the next year. Yes. Stay tuned. We'll maybe be back in a year and we'll just check oh, I in can't wait. and yeah. see how much bigger the trash pile has gotten. Maybe it'll be an entire landfill at that point. So, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thanks, everyone. See ya.